You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. We are only a few days away, less than 48 hours from National Signing Day. We have a lot of recruiting to discuss. We also have some breaking news as I record this on Monday morning, late Monday morning, about ECU senior kicker Jake Barrity entering the NFL draft and foregoing his final year of eligibility. We'll get into that. We might even talk some basketball before we wrap this podcast up. But mainly wanted to focus on recruiting just as a quick recruiting pod. Was going to do an emergency podcast for uh, each commitment in uh, EC football recruiting since we started this podcast. And really we started it back in September. The Pirates, of course, busy with their season, weren't getting too many commitments uh, with no official visits allowed. But then all of a sudden they got uh, a bunch in a short amount of time and really... It wasn't worth doing an emergency podcast for each commitment because they were all happening at once. So I wanted to kind of wait and give it a few days to uh, to give it a full recap of the guys ECU has added to the 2021 recruiting class, which we will discuss here in a second. Uh, the Pirates, right now, as we sit here and record this at 11.51 on Monday, 11.51 uh, a.m. on Monday, the Pirates have 14 commitments uh, listed on 24-7 Sports. Now, we've reported that one of these players on the commitment list will not sign on Wednesday on National Signing Day. That is Jalen Clyatt, the three-star safety out of Maryland. Uh, right now, academically, he is um, not quite up to the standard, so he will not be signing. He will likely be heading the junior college route, and then we'll see what happens from there. But we're going to leave him on the commitment list for now um, because he, he – you know, hasn't indicated a desire to decommit from ECU, even though the Pirates aren't signing him. And it sounds like ECU will help him through uh, the the post-graduation uh, process as far as high school and trying to get into college at a later date. So 14 commitments, but 13 of those at this point are expected to sign on Wednesday. You also have two transfers, Oklahoma's Ryan Jones, who was actually committed last summer but didn't quite make it into uh, the fall semester so he's going to enroll in January and also recent North Carolina transfer commitment DJ Ford that gives you 15 pledges essentially for the 2021 recruiting cycle Mike Houston recently said they have 19 scholarships available to give so they have four more slots open we'll get into more of that uh, as far as who could fill those slots as we continue to go through the 2021 recruiting class but the Pirates right now really sitting with 15 commitments, and you look at it, in the last three or four days alone, the Pirates have added several defensive backs and also a, a talented running back. So we're going to go through these guys one by one, kind of break down what ECU is getting uh, in those commitments. We will start with the uh, initial commitment of this big run back on December 9th. That was in the form of Jaden Chalmers, three-star cornerback out of Fort. Fork Union Military Academy in Virginia, but really he's the first in-state commitment because he's from Lee County High School in Sanford, North Carolina. Uh, coming out of high school really high on East Carolina, and the Pirates had him in for a 
a prospect camp last June, and he really shined, got an offer from that prospect camp. Really long kid, really fast, you know, in that 4'4", four, 4'5", four, four range for sure, you know, right around six feet, long arms. Um, has the ability to put on some weight, probably get into the 180, 185, 190 range in time. Needs to keep developing, but uh, played this past fall at Fork Union. And if you remember correctly, um, last summer, he was extremely high on ECU after getting the offer. It was fairly close to committing until North Carolina, which was his dream school, ended up offering a few weeks later. He pretty much committed on the spot to UNC. They signed him. He didn't quite make the grade, went to Fork Union, and uh, was kind of forgotten about from that point because a lot of people just assumed he would go to UNC. UNC kind of over-recruited him in a way. Uh, took a lot of talented DBs, didn't really have room for him at the end of the day, and he decided for a fresh start. And East Carolina was one of the few schools that reached out to him because he was locked into his NLI with UNC and by rule could not be recruited uh, firsthand by any other schools for a long time. He finally got out of that NLI just a couple of days ago, uh, leading to his commitment to ECU. Now he plans to sign in December. Um, he's hoping to enroll in January. I haven't gotten an official update on that uh, in the last few days, but I do know that they're hoping to get him in uh, for the, the spring semester. But either way, Jaden Chalmers, really talented corner. Uh, you look at the last few classes uh, at cornerback last year, they added Sean Tucker. Uh, the year before that, you know, Jaquan McMillan, Malik Fleming, Nolan Johnson moving. All of a sudden, you're starting to stack some cornerback depth. I really like Chalmers long-term as a guy who can help ECU quite a bit. Also, they signed C.J. Crump and Nasir Clerk uh, from the last class, two guys who developed this past year. I think uh, C.J. Crump really has a, a chance to be a good player for this ECU defense. So, Jaden Chalmers ranked a three-star prospect coming out of prep school, uh, 84 overall by 24-7 sports. So right after Chalmers committed, the Pirates added a, uh, a talented running back to the mix, Joseph McKay out of Alabama, uh, Central High School in Phoenix City, Alabama. Really another talented, uh, high upside kid. You look at his offer list and you're like, how did ECU get this guy? Because on 24-7 sports, his offers – Show up as Alabama, Arkansas, Florida State, Kentucky, LSU, Memphis, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Virginia Tech, and West Virginia. Now, all that looks good on paper. Uh, you know, realistically, uh, talking the truth, there's a reason he's coming to East Carolina and not going to the SEC. You know, he does have some academic stuff he's got to work on. There's no guarantee that he will qualify, but talking with ECU sources, they do feel good about him uh, eventually making it to school with the right guidance. You know, kind of similar to the Mason Garcia situation, maybe similar to some other situations over the year. The Pirates feel like they can get him in the school with the right guidance. You know, with COVID-19 still going on, uh, the NCAA is likely going to do some sort of waiver once again, you would think, with this 2021 recruiting class. And so a lot of that will uh, potentially help some guys who maybe haven't had the opportunity to do tests as much or to do in-person learning as much. Uh, but McKay was a guy who... Got a ton of these SEC and big-name offers in the spring, and then things kind of died down with the pandemic, also with uh, you know his academic situation. So he does have some things to work, uh, to work on, but you watch his film, and he just looks like that classic bruising running back. Um, a lot of people talk about his speed not being that great, but I think his speed is fine on film. I mean, I think he's got, uh, once he gets to the second level, he can take it the distance. No, he's not going to be 
um, a four four guy, but I think he can definitely be a, a very effective runner at six foot, two hundred sixteen pounds. He gets downhill, uh, good vision, good balance, very tough to tackle in the open field. Um, so I think Joseph McKay, the three star running back out of Central High School in Alabama, really brings a lot of upside. And, and let's be real, you know, with the with the commitments and the future of Keaton Mitchell and, and Rajay Harris. You know, it's probably tough to recruit running backs to ECU right now. So you do have to kind of take a chance on a Joseph McKay, uh, on a guy in a similar situation to him. If it works out, great. If not, it's not the end of the world. Now, I do think they they do need to bring in another another back or at least find a way to keep Darius Penix around because there's going to be – it's going to be a difficult situation if Darius Penix leaves and Demetrius Mooney, like some have talked about, gets moved to defense. Then all of a sudden – you only have two scholarship running backs in Mitchell and Harris. So that's something that the staff is well aware of and they continue to work on on a daily basis. All right, so there was your lone offensive commitment uh, in the past few days. We continue down the big news of the weekend. Uh, so we were heading to the weekend. You know, I was well aware that EC was on some JUCO defensive backs, and I knew that they were looking in the transfer portal, but I did not know that this guy, DJ Ford out of North Carolina, was so close to committing and uh, really kind of surprised me, which is hard to do in recruiting every now and then. But uh, DJ Ford, East Carolina lands a very intriguing commitment from North Carolina, a graduate transfer. He will be in in January, 6'3", 215, great size, great upside, and a guy who's played a lot of football in the ACC. Started seven games in 2019, was the sixth highest graded player on the UNC's defense that year, the third highest graded player in coverage as part of a pretty good defensive backfield. Um, Strong special teams player early in his career, strong reserve, so a guy who can fill a bunch of needs. More than likely, you know, going to play safety, but he told me at UNC he was was moved around to to Sam linebacker, uh, boundary safety, free safety. So really very similar defensive scheme to what ECU's doing. And so I think he'll be able to acclimate quickly. He talked about uh, with me in an article I did, that's up on Hoist the Colors. You know, his most important thing is getting in here in spring and trying to learn his teammates and learn his coaches as much as possible. He talked a lot about trust, gaining trust in everybody within the program because when you come in as a grad transfer, it's tough. I mean, you have to learn so much in a short amount of time and get adjusted so quickly. And although you have experience from their previous stop, it's really almost like being a freshman again. You're starting over. So uh, one year remaining. You know, he's coming in as an immediate impact guy, and he seems very level-headed, hungry. He did opt out of this past season, the 2020 season, with North Carolina due to COVID-19 concerns, but he did that in the preseason. Um, You know, talking with him, I don't want to say he regrets the decision, but he definitely missed football, and I think he's going to come here hungry to play football, to practice again, um, and get back on the field. And I think this is a potential steal for ECU, you know, is he going to be an all-conference defensive back? I don't know, but he definitely will be an upgrade and help kind of the size and speed on the back end for the Pirates, especially at a position in safety where they need some immediate help. Uh, also, in the safety regard, the Pirates added two more junior college safeties as they continue to try and, bi- and bolster that position. Kingston McKinstry, a three-star safety out of Iowa Central Community College, committed on Saturday or committed on Friday night, excuse me, and was a really uh, a guy that ECU's been high on throughout the process since offering him earlier in the fall. Uh, he His only other offer was Jacksonville State. You know, a lot of people look at that type of stuff and say, 
you know, why is ECU taking a guy who has no other offers or only FCS offers? Well, this is a deal. It's very similar to Sean Dorso last summer. ECU staff, to its credit, gets on these kids super early. They see the potential, they see the film, and they 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 try to convince them to sign early, to commit early, to go ahead and lock up their spot. And in that way, ECU gets a very talented player before maybe they're discovered. We saw it with Dorso, who a lot of people thought was going to be a 2021 recruit. ECU found out, hey, we can get this guy into school for the 2020 class in the summer. They sign him as his only offer. He comes in, he starts every game, and he plays at a pretty high level. Kingston McKinstry and the next commitment, we're going to talk about very similar stories. Um, McKinstry, you know, not super highly recruited coming out of Grove City in Ohio as uh, a high school recruit, but really impressive freshman film. You know, very fast, good size, gets downhill, tackles well, solid in coverage. Uh, I really like Kingston's film. You know, one of the more underrated players in the class, in my opinion, and I think he's a great addition to the safety room. So the next day, another Juco safety, Blinn College safety, Julius Wood, commits to ECU on Saturday. Um, that evening, you know, talk. I actually talked with Julius on Saturday afternoon, and he was telling me that he was kind of trying to decide between ECU, which he had an offer from in Mississippi State, which at that point had not offered, but was telling Julius that they were going to offer. And uh, Mississippi State did not end up offering, and I don't know if they really got the chance to because Julius saw at ECU, you know, DJ Ford had already committed, Kingston McKinstry had already committed. There was only one more safety spot realistically left for the 2021 recruiting class, and Julius did not want to wait out and miss out on that spot. So Julius Wood from Blinn College is the third safety commitment in the span of a few days. And another physical, long, athletic guy, 6'2", 196. If he would have had the grades coming out of high school, uh, another Ohio guy uh, from the Columbus area, he would have likely been going to the SEC. Kentucky was on him super high coming out of high school. He actually committed there and was planning to go there. Ended up with a 2.3 GPA. He needed a 2.5. He signed with Miami of Ohio but did not get into school there. That led him to Blinn College. And last year... On his Blinn College film, the thing I like most about Julius Wood, not only is he is he a big guy, 6'2", 196, but man, he can run. He is used often as the gunner on Blinn College's uh, special teams, and he beats everybody down the field, great open field tackler, and then watching his fall camp coverage, because JUCOs don't play until the spring, but they post their, their fall camp uh, highlights on Huddle. Uh, really good in coverage as well. You would think a guy that big... Um, maybe couldn't cover as well, but I thought he, he really showed a lot of ability um, to run with DBs, whether it be man coverage or fall into zone coverage and jump route. So I think ECU is getting another all-around player in Julius Wood. And so you look at this defensive backfield now with the additions of DJ Ford, Julius Wood, Kingston McKentry, and also Jaden Chalmers, and you're starting to build that depth that really ECU was missing last year. I know a lot of people are saying, hey, why are they taking so many DBs? You have to look at it this way. Pretty much every college football program now runs a five defensive back set on defense. ECU, they call it the Sam linebacker, which Jared Wilson played this past year, but really it's a, it's a, it's a nickel defensive back. You're going to have five DBs on the field at all time, and the Sam linebacker position is basically an extension of the safety position. So you want to recruit a ton of safeties because those safeties then can slide down and play the Sam and vice versa. So you can move a guy like Tegan Wilk this past year 
from Sam linebacker to safety if need be or move him from safety to Sam depending on what you need and you kind of just want to stack depth in the safety room and also you know corners and safeties can be interchangeable to some extent as well you just want to have a lot of depth at defensive back and you know, when Mike Houston took this job, there were a lot of guys that Scotty Montgomery recruited at safety but didn't have the speed to stick there. They ended up getting moved to linebacker like a Miles Berry or a Delvante Harris, et cetera. There's a few other examples. And I think, you know, the biggest thing with Mike Houston's staff and what I can gather is they want to add speed. you got to have speed at safety. Otherwise, you just can't play very well in this scheme. And I think with McKinstry – uh, with Julius Wood and also with DJ Ford, not only are you getting great speed, but you're getting tremendous size and length. And when you look at the defensive backfield they took over, it's just really no comparison. So, you know, are all these guys going to work out? Maybe, maybe not. You know, you look back at last year, they took a couple of Juco safeties that they really were high on and Robert Kennedy and Sean Dorso. Uh, Dorso worked out. Kennedy did not. He's in the transfer portal. But I thought Kennedy was a good player and had upside. It just... He did not fit the culture here. And that's that's the risk you always take with junior college kids. Um, you know, sometimes you don't know exactly what you're getting, but talking with Kingston and talking with Julius and, and especially talking with DJ, uh, very impressed by these guys character-wise. And I think that's honestly the most important thing because a lot of these guys in JUCO can play. It's just a matter of are they going to stick it out in the classroom? Are they going to uh, come here and give 100% effort, buy in, all that stuff? I, I get the vibe that this group will. You know, only time will tell, but I do think the Pirates have vastly upgraded their defensive backfield going forward with uh, Kingston McKinstry, Julius Wood, et cetera. No matter how these guys are rated by 24-7 sports, you know, Dorso was not that highly rated, but I love this film. I feel the same exact way about a lot of these guys, and I think ECU uh, has really upgraded the safety room as a result. So after those commitments, where does ECU turn next? And that is the big question with signing day just a few days away. You know, the focus at this point seems to be the offensive line. And I don't think that's any secret. The Pirates have had their sights set on a couple of guys in particular, uh, especially from the junior college ranks, as they continue to try and do with the offensive line what they've done now with the defensive backfield. Uh, I don't know at this point if they'll be able to get another commitment or two leading into Wednesday. You know, the two guys that they're really recruiting hard are Kingsley Ugwu out of Hutchinson uh, Community College and also Jacob Bradford out of Iowa Central. So Jacob's a teammate of Kingston McKentry. And you, you look at it, and both those guys have told me at this point that they want to wait to sign in February. But the Pirates have really been working hard on trying to convince one, if not both, to sign early in, in December and lock up their spot. You know, you look at uh, both the guys have a number of quote-unquote group of five offers a couple American athletic conference schools have offered as well but at this point ECU clearly has been recruiting these guys the hardest of uh, any of the schools that have offered you know Florida State uh, NC State a lot of ACC schools some Big Ten schools have flirted with these guys trying to keep them open to signing in February as kind of fallback options whereas ECU is making them the priority we'll see if by Wednesday they can convince them to sign you know they've had them on multiple multiple uh, virtual visits, official visits, coaches in home virtual meetings, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, and I think those two guys are the closest. Now, will it happen between now and Wednesday? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Nathaniel Truspuck out of Coffeeville Community College is another name I've heard that ECU's high on. You know, his communication has been hit or miss with me as far as trying to get up with him 
and figuring out the latest in his recruit recruitment. So I think right now Bradford and Ugu are the top guys. They would like to add at least two Juco guys, if not potentially more. They're also on a graduate transfer out of Holy Cross, uh, Brian Foley, and they're also on several other guys in the portal that are uh, offensive linemen. There's been so many guys hit the portal in the last few days. You know, that's the reason I, I question some of these guys from the Juco ranks who are going to wait to commit. I just think it's a mistake because between now and February, you're not going to have any new film. Schools are more likely to take a Division One transfer over a JUCO kid in most cases. And so I just don't see many scholarships coming available. Now, granted, you can make the argument that maybe a Power 5 school loses two or three offensive linemen to the portal and they need to take a JUCO guy as a result. But I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think it's a gamble for these, these type of players to continue to wait out the process when they have a scholarship available uh to take like a like the safeties did uh that ECU was recruiting the the offensive linemen to this point have not you know we'll see if that changes in the coming days but the offensive line with four spots left definitely a need and a priority for East Carolina at this point in time and again you know I think that we'll see some new names pop up between now and February once this signing day is over there's always guys who fall through the cracks and ECU will have a lot more time to kind of go back and evaluate film, and maybe they save a few counters for after February for later in the spring when more high school football are, are, uh, is hopefully being played across the state of North Carolina and in Virginia, but we'll see. I mean, it's clear at this point the offensive line is a priority. They are scheduled to sign two high school offensive linemen as of right now, Richard Pierce and CeCe Clark, on Wednesday. We'll see if they can add any more between now and then. All right, want to take a quick break here from our sponsors. When we get back, we'll hit on the Jake Verity news, and we'll also talk maybe some ECU-SMU as the 5-0 Pirates on the hardwood look to try and make it 6-0 in their conference opener. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to Hoist the Colors. Let's touch first on the Jake Verity news. Uh, this was breaking on Monday morning. The Pirates' all-time leader in points scored in football program history, Jake Verity, the kicker, has decided to forego his final year of eligibility and enter the 2021 NFL Draft. He is the third Pirate football player to do this, uh, joining Deontay Smith, the offensive tackle, and uh, wide receiver Blake Prohl who announced his intentions in recent weeks. So not a big surprise um, other than the fact that I initially heard that Verity did want to come back for a six-year of eligibility. So that was a slight surprise. But really, you look at the situation, 
I think the more Jake really thought about it, I think he's got an emotional attachment to ECU. He wanted to come back, try to close it out with a winning season, try to close it out with maybe a stronger finish than he did uh, in 2020. But, you know, he got his degree in in construction management in December. He's already the program's all-time points leader, 352 points. And from talking with guys who are familiar with uh, kicking, both in the college and professional ranks, there are multiple scouts that have him as a top three kicker coming into the draft. And so, you know, what more could Verity have done outside of maybe finishing stronger and also, you know, having a winning season? What more could he have done to improve his stock? I think now he has to go uh, just based off the fact, you know, he's he, from, two, from 2018 to 2019, he was probably the, if not the best kicker in college football, you know, right up there in the top two or three. Uh, 19 of 21 on field goal attempts in 2018 and 24 of 29 in 2019. That is a two-year run that is pretty elite, and I think he only had one miss under 40 yards in that time. So he did have some issues with blocks this year. That's something he'll have to correct going forward uh, for sure. You know, the thing about making it in the NFL as a specialist, you have to be elite at your job because there are so few spots and not only do you have to be elite, but you have to be at the right place at the exact right time. It is so hard. It's not hard to get a look, to get a tryout, to get a camp invite. It is hard to make a 53 man roster as a specialist. Now, once you do, you're pretty much set barring some sort of catastrophe. Uh, once you get into that realm, but it's extremely hard to make it. Uh, and now I think Jake's got the talent to make it. He certainly has the leg strength he certainly has the work ethic. I think he can do it, um, and I don't blame him for taking this for taking the the chance. I don't blame him. I mean, he he's really not even taking a chance because he's got his degree to fall back on. He's accomplished everything. He's already given five years to East Carolina, so I don't blame him at all for moving on. Um, you know, looking forward at the kicking situation. Certainly, you would like to have him back if you're Mike Houston and ECU. You have a scholarship kicker coming back in Patrick Nations. Um, but he's never kicked in a game, and he was passed this year by a preferred walk-on freshman, Owen Daffer, based on practice performance. Now, I have heard a lot of good things about Owen Daffer uh, as a young guy who has a chance to be a really good kicker here. I also expect ECU to add a preferred walk-on kicker in the least to try and come in and compete with Daffer and Nations and try and take Verity's spot. So I think kicker, they'll be fine. It's it's always tough to replace an all-conference caliber really an all-American caliber kicker like Verity. So um, tough news for the ECU football team going forward, but, you know, really happy for Jake. Uh, Complete class act, much like Blake Pearl, much like Deontay Smith, was a pleasure to cover during my time at East Carolina. I don't blame him at all for taking that chance and and, and taking the next step. Uh, I think it is the right time to do it, and I think he will um, definitely get a shot at the next level and hopefully he makes the most of it and hopefully he's in the right place at the right time and can get a chance to do that all right before we wrap up tonight's show let's get out of here with some basketball talk the pirates are 5-0 and on the hardwood and really face their first real legitimate test of the season on wednesday as long as it goes on as scheduled the pirates take on smu which is 4-0 on the season Another uh, really tough conference opener for East Carolina, but a really good test right out of the gate, which is 
in my opinion, exciting. I mean, if you're going to play one of the best teams in the league, you might as well do it right out of the gate. ECU went 1-1 one one against SMU last season. Of course, they beat SMU in that thriller at home on Tristan Newton's game-winning three-pointer. Then they lost by 20 at SMU a couple of, uh, I believe, a week and a half later. So it was a very short turnaround uh, going into that rematch. But SMU, one of the top offensive programs in the country. They're averaging 89 points a game. Here, I'm going to run over their scores real quick. Granted, they haven't played the toughest schedule, but still extremely impressive offensively. They beat Sam Houston State 97-67 to in their season opener. Then uh, Wallop, Texas A&M, Corpus Crispy, uh, 91-54, beat Houston Baptist 102-75. And then their most impressive win for sure at Dayton, 66-64 win. They hit a, a shot at the end to win that game. Um, unfortunately, had their non-conference game against Vanderbilt canceled. And so they've had 11 days to prepare for ECU, which can be a good or bad thing in basketball. I mean, of course you want extra time to prepare, but you can also fall out of a rhythm. So maybe that'll work in ECU's favor. Uh, Again, scoring 89 points a game, they are shooting 48% from the field and 38.5% from three-point range. Uh, Just a really good all-around offense. Kendrick Davis, the TCU transfer, one of the more explosive players in the league, probably the best point guard in the league. 21.3 21.3 points per game. He had a phenomenal year last year. Uh, Ethan Chargois, really talented forward, kind of a stretch forward, 6'9", 235, a senior. He's averaging 14.5 a game, can shoot the three. Going to be a, you know, him and Farron Hunt, another 6'8", 200-pounder, uh, long forwards, athletic. They've given Jaden Gardner some fits in the past, and I'm sure that SMU will try to take away Jaden again on Wednesday. Um, but this team is very dangerous. You know, they shoot the three well, they run well, they don't turn it over a ton. You know, they're they're extremely um, dangerous when they're hitting their shot. I mean, last year in two games against S- uh, in two games against ECU, SMU shot 61 combined threes. The game at SMU that ECU lost by 20, uh, the Mustangs went 15 of 31 from three. And when t- when a team is that hot, honestly, you just can't do anything other than maybe play better defense. But um, sometimes teams are hitting. SMU is hitting on a lot of nights, so this is going to have to be a game where ECU plays at its best on both ends of the floor to have a shot. They're going to have to play extremely well offensively to keep pace, and they're going to have to get some stops. You can't give up 85-plus points and expect to win this game. So they're going to have to find a way, like last season when they beat them at home, to hold SMU maybe to the 70s and hit some shots uh, to outscore them. So... Um, I think this is a big game. You know, I expect SMU to be favored by a decent amount. They should be on their home floor with all that they have returning from a successful team last season. Is it a, is it a game that ECU can't win? No. Um, but I think if they go down there and they compete and it's a game in the last five minutes, I think you're going to be very encouraged. I think this is one of the toughest games on ECU's basketball schedule in 2020-2021. And it'll be a great test right out of the gate. Now, they should go in confident. They're 5-0. They beat SMU last year. Um, the Mustangs are without Tyson Jolly. They also lost Isaiah Mike to the NBA draft. So, this isn't an unbeatable team, but this will be a great test. And if the Pirates can go down there and find a way to win or even find a way to compete, uh, I think we're having a, a very positive conversation about this ECU basketball team. They'll return home on Saturday to take on James Madison in their final non-conference scheduled game, and then they host 
Tulane on the 22nd for their conference opener at home. So, But the conference opener on the road at SMU on Wednesday. We'll have some reaction to that and some previews. We're about to talk to head coach Joe Dooley here in a minute. We'll have a preview up on hoistthecolors.net shortly. But that'll do it for our podcast. Again, wanted to talk mainly recruiting with National Signing Day coming up. You know, looking maybe at having another podcast on Thursday or Friday as uh, we'll recap the SMU game and also uh, recap National Signing Day. Uh, But until then, thank you guys for listening. It's been fun, and we'll talk to you next time. I'm Stephen Igo. You've been listening to the Hoist of Colors podcast. relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.